Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your ship. It's still snowing outside. Let us know, let us know, let us know. It's, it's snowy, it's chilly. It is February, though. It's like though. negative, I mean, the actual temperature tonight is supposed to be negative 18. Negative 18. It's February in the Midwest. I hate it. <laughs> to all my friends in warmer climates, um, do you need a, like, roommate? Um, or, <laughs> or you, you know, uh, like a house girl or something? A house girl? Not like in the OnlyFans way, but like... <laughs> you, you're going to volunteer to to clean the house in a bikini? Oh, my God. If it'll make me money right now, honestly, like... <laughs> I actually just watched a documentary on OnlyFans because I don't, I didn't really understand what it was. Like I'm in a, I'm in a group um, from my gym in New York, Mark Fisher Fitness, which is amazing. Um, but they, we have a group that does like happy hour once a week since the pandemic, and uh, they kept joking like, since Ken and I are both out of work right now, do or do our industry being shut down. Uh, we should start an OnlyFans. And I always was kind of like, <laughs> what? Okay. Um, <laughs> Which is a good response. It's a good response. I was kind of like, right, what? Um, and so I watched this Hulu documentary on OnlyFans and I'm like, oh, it's just, it's porn. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. like independent porn. Okay. Um, more power to those people. Um, I will not be getting an OnlyFans anytime soon. And if I do, I'm going to be like, one of those celebrities that's joined and is like, they just like talk to the camera. So basically they're doing TikTok, but you're paying them. So I will not be doing it, but more power up, to you. You could just set up your own Truman Show situation and just have <laughs> cameras that follow you around all the time and let people pay whatever to Oh, watch. that would be actually really interesting. I would be totally cool with that, except for like certain, like certain moments in our lives. <laughs> sure. Although in the Truman Show, they, they do found edit. ways That's to, true. to edit around. Like yep. they, you're not. You never see Truman pooping. You never see him pooping. You never see them doing the the diddly. They, they pan over to the moon the or diddly. over to the candle or whatever. <laughs> Very appropriately. Yeah, it's a family show. Um, Only fans. Family edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Those people make a lot of money, though. I am not gonna lie. I there are there are many days I wish I had no morals and I didn't have like, you know, so many supportive adults around me that would be so disappointed. Who, who would almost certainly find your page? Not even disappointed. They would just be like, "What? Why?" Um, but they make <laughs> a lot of money, like a lot. But anyway, it's cold, so maybe if you want me to come, if you want me to come clean your house in a bikini, um, make an offer. Go to our website and make an offer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna videotape it, but hell, I'll, I'll clean someone's house in a bikini. I don't give a fuck. All right. <laughs> I Whereas, basically lived in a bikini for six months on that ship, so why not? What's interesting to me is the the part of that offer that sounds. Um, horrifying to me is the idea that I would have to go clean someone else's house. <laughs> that is true. I don't like cleaning my own space. Yeah. So, but if they're, I mean, they're paying me, 
And really, how good of a cleaning job do I need to do if I'm really there to clean in a bikini? Like, I don't think I'm there to actually clean their house. It's like, oh, I have the duster here. Like, you're just dusting. You do, like, you, you fold some clothes, that kind of shit. I can do that. I'm not cleaning the toilet in a bikini. That's not happening. So yeah, that's I, I do have I do have um, rules and regulations. <laughs> Please, I have standards. Gosh, guys. <laughs> you want me to do anything in the bathroom that's an extra $200? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is an OnlyFans restriction. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a general policy. Any toilet stuff is an extra $200. To- toilet stuff. Uh-oh. So, Trump. <laughs> Whatever your kink is, you do it, y'all. I'm yep. more power to you. Um, I'm just a square. <laughs> I'm just a square. And I have red hair. I'm just a square. square. Oh, you were singing a different song than me. (laughs) I I went to, I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. Oh, that's sad right now. I'm just a square. Yes, I'm only a square. And I hope that I don't lose all my hair. (laughs) You brought up politics and the impeachment trial just ended. I I didn't bring up politics. You brought up the bill song and that immediately makes me think of how broken our system is. Remember that song? It just goes on and on and on. It's like, but then I get sent back here. And then I'm like, why the fuck does it take this much work to, like, get a stimulus check? (laughs) Or, like, vote to have national parks or something. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to go into politics too deeply. Because I'm just going to edit it out anyway. No, you're not. Don't you dare. (laughs) This is my charm. This is why people like me. That's probably not true. <laughs> Though I do have a lot of opinions. <laughs> I'm aware. I have a few opinions. Um, I'm not going to dive into it because that's a whole other podcast. Um, but I still think I should apply to be a writer at uh, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. <laughs> do it. Or a correspondent. Send I always wanted to be a correspondent. Send in your stuff. Shoot a video. Send in your stuff. Who wants me to do it? Let me know. Do you think, do you think I'm silly? Okay. <laughs> yeah, reach reach out. Let us know. If we get what? If we get, do you want to say five people? If we get ten people to reach out and say, yes, Heather should submit her video, we will post some sort of evidence proving that she has submitted a video to become a, a Daily Show correspondent. It's true. I, I don't need, like, yeah, I, I've just, honestly, I went back to grad school I went to actually back to school because that's what I wanted to do and then I never did it uh because I'm scared um because I didn't do any of that like the basic but like Colbert was just a theater major most of those people were either uh improv folk or stand-up comedians and I'm neither of those like I have a master's degree in acting and directing yeah, but I mean, it but comes. Like I've it's, written and it's, like, yeah. it's the same. It's the same idea, though. They're they're just performers. That's true. That's true. I would be a very different kind of of correspondent. I think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, usually, I'm funny because I'm. Anyway, I'm I'm done. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I believe we have a uh, a promo. Yes, we to do, share this and week. it is for Alana and Leanne's show, Booze and Ghouls. Here it is. Hey, Leanne. Hey, Alana. 
Why should the people listen to Booze and Ghouls? Well, I don't know. Maybe because they want to be entertained and informed at the same time. And also, would you say that it's funny? Hilarious. He's also not a fan of men and will try to scare them off. <laughs> well, listen, I've scared off a man or doing my day too. <laughs> He's still trying to run his ghost brothel. I love it. Check out Booze and Ghouls. A paranormal, true crime, and conspiracy podcast. New episodes every Friday. Sounds cool. It is fun. I uh, I actually listened to the Cecil Hotel episode uh, because I'm obsessed. Do you know about the Cecil Hotel? No, tell that's, me. That's, in short. Well, in short, it's like where like so much like shit has gone down. Like um, it was built um, as like a luxury hotel in L.A. and then. What happened is the area, there was a uh, basically not the depression, but a recession. And like LA went, like Hollywood went to trash and it became Skid Row, that, that area. So this beautiful hotel, like basically turned into like homeless housing where people did drugs and like you could rent rooms by the hour and that kind of stuff. Sure. So shit started going down. People got murdered. So many people like committed suicide there. Yeah, there's a story that happened not that long ago um, of Alyssa Lamb, this this uh, uh, student who was staying there, and there's video of her in like the elevator, and they like she's like looks like she's talking to someone or hiding from somebody, and then she disappears, and like weeks later, they found her body in like the water uh, tank on the roof. Oh hell no! But the water tank was closed, and there's no way she could have gone in and closed it behind her, and like to even get up there. So there's like like what happened, and then um, a famous serial killer like hung out there. There's basically just bad juju all around, um, and they did a great episode on it. So yeah. Anyway, go listen to Booze and Ghouls. Um, and check out their Cecil Hotel episode, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I I am strangely obsessed with, like, the cases there because it is so creepy and there's just so much has gone on. But we'll leave that to the true crime and paranormal people to cover. <laughs> we just cover fictional crime. <laughs> yeah, so what do you say we jump into what we do? Let's do it! All right. Typically, we read stories from... Uh, from classic authors, generally authors who have been dead for many decades, and so stories they can't that, sue us. and stories that came <laughs> out well over a hundred years ago. Typically, that's our bag. Well, today's story is a bit of an oddity because it was published well after 1925, and the author only died in 2012. Okay. However, due to some interesting legal loopholes in when and how it was published that I'm not going to go into because I don't fully understand them all, it entered public domain with the author's consent. (laughs) All right. Ray Douglas Bradbury. I love Ray Bradbury! Was born on August 22nd, 1920. The New York Times once called Bradbury, quote, the writer most responsible for bringing modern science fiction into the literary mainstream. Uh, His most famous works today are Fahrenheit 451 and The Martian Chronicles, but he wrote hundreds of short stories, screenplays, essays, and other novels, and his works have been adapted into film and comic books. Hell yes. Um, I had a friend give me a collection of his short stories. Oh, yeah? Because they, like, uh, this was like a decade ago. Um, I think I still have it, actually. Huh, cool. um, I read the first one. I don't remember what it was about. 
It's probably not. It's because it was like a decade ago. Yeah. Um, and I kept meaning to pick it up, and I actually took it on a bunch of trips because I was like, this will be a good one to do. And I really enjoyed that first one. And Fahrenheit um, 451 was like a book we read in high school, and I sure. really enjoyed it. So, yeah. But yay, I'm, this is fun. Yeah. Oh, my. So, Bradbury was known to write every single day, that was his habit. Uh, He attributed this to two incidents in his life. The first one, when he was three years old, was his mother taking him to see Lon Chaney's performance in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Aww. The other one was in 1932, when he was 12. Uh, A carnival performer named Mr. Electrico. Can we please just call him a carny? (laughs) Carny carny might be a derogatory term. He's a carnival performer. God, well, and I our, our generation, of, man. No, and I typically think of carnies as like oh, the people the, that want you to the, play the games. Well, like the the sort of the people who hang out and set things up, and like yeah, they try to swindle you out of money and yeah, that sort of sketchy. thing. This guy was a performer, He's an actual like actor performer, performer yeah. named Mister Electrico, who poked <laughs> Bradbury in the nose with an electrified sword. It made his hair stand on end, and Mr. Electrico shouted, Live forever! Holy shit! This event left a lasting impression. In fact, in 2001, Bradbury talked about it, saying, I felt that something strange and wonderful had happened to me because of my encounter with Mr. Electrico. Yeah, he electrocuted this child. (laughs) He gave me a future. I began to write full time. I have written every single day of my life since that day 69 years ago. Holy shit. Mr. Electrico. Yep. Um, Bradbury also oh, started to well, do. I never was there ever a magician so clever as magical, magical Mr. Electrico. If anyone is going to sue us, it is 100% going to be Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> he don't need our money. Um, other influences on Bradbury's writing include a couple of Campfire Classics favorite authors, H.G. Wells. All and, right. And Edgar Allan Poe. Hell yeah. As well as uh, Jules Verne and Edgar Rice Burroughs, the creator of Tarzan. Ooh, so we'll have to read those. <laughs> uh, in fact, his earliest writings included horror stories modeled after Poe and an unpublished sequel to Burroughs' book, The Warlord of Mars. The Warlord of Mars. Yeah. That's fun. Um, Bradbury never got his driver's license. <laughs> he preferred to use public transit and bike. When he Did he was, live in New York? When he was in high school in Los Angeles. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Um, when he was in high school in Los Angeles, Bradbury liked to roller skate around the city <laughs> in hopes of bumping into famous people. Anecdotally, two celebrities that he met this way were special effects pioneer Ray Harryhausen and radio star George Burns. In fact, Bradbury's first paying gig as a writer at age 14 was for a joke that he sold to George Burns to use in the Burns and Allen radio show. Holy shit. Well, that's what, so we need to move to L.A. and I have roller skates now. Yeah. I can just roller skate around and uh, get and that's how you get famous. Gigs. Okay. Ray Bradbury uh, lived at home until he was 27 
and got married. He and his wife, Marguerite McClure, were married until her death for a total of 56 years. They had four daughters, and Maggie, as she was affectionately called, was the only woman Bradbury ever dated. Oh, my goodness. So they were like, they were the opposite of high school sweethearts. They were like adult sweethearts, and he never dated anyone else? Nope. Wow. Uh, As he aged, Bradbury continued his dedication and passion, despite what he described as the devastation of illness and deaths of many good friends. Mm. Among those losses that most hurt him was the death of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, who was Uh. an intimate friend for many years. Okay. Uh, They remained close friends for nearly three decades, even after Roddenberry asked him to write for Star Trek and Bradbury said no. (laughs) Basically, what what he said was that he, quote, never had the ability to adapt other people's ideas into any sensible form. Well, he knows that. That's Mm. actually very good of him as an artist to know what his limits are. Uh, He appeared regularly at sci-fi conventions even after a stroke in 1999 forced uh, partial reliance on a wheelchair. Yep. He passed away in 2012. He was 91 years old. The Washington Post noted several modern-day technologies that Bradbury had envisioned much earlier than they actually came about. Oh, like in his writings. Such as the idea of banking ATMs, earbud and Bluetooth headsets, and the concept of artificial intelligence. All right, so he's like the Simpsons, like predicting some shit. Like the Simpsons, well, and like, like much like Star Trek, a lot of people, like the reason flip phones when they were invented yeah. flipped at the angle they did is because of Star Trek tricorders. <laughs> um, Artists matter, fuckers. <laughs> Steven Spielberg called Bradbury, quote, My muse for the better part of my sci-fi career. On the world of science fiction and fantasy and imagination, he is immortal. So E.T. wouldn't exist without him. Neil Gaiman said, The landscape of the world we live in would have been diminished if we had not had him in our world. Stephen King released a statement saying Ray Bradbury wrote three great novels and 300 great stories. One of the latter was called A Sound of Thunder. The sound I hear today is the thunder of a giant's footsteps fading away, but the novels and stories remain in all their resonance and strange beauty. And finally, President Barack Obama said... His gift for storytelling reshaped our culture and expanded our world. Ray also understood that our imaginations could be used as a tool for better understanding, a vehicle for change, and an expression of our most cherished values. Research on Ray Bradbury came from Wikipedia, raybradbury.com, americanliterature.com, the Internet Speculative Fiction Database, and Bradbury's Obituary. And today you will be reading Asleep in Armageddon, which was first published in Planet Stories in 1948, but has, as I mentioned, entered the public domain anyway. All right. Well, uh, this story was almost my parents. 
I'm not going to say how old my parents are, but they'll be mad about that. But like <laughs> almost not, they're not, they were not born yet, but almost, which but is close. by far the closest we've yeah. ever gotten. So, all right. All right. Shall we? Let's do it. Let's, Let's start, start the, the fire. fire. Fire time. Fire. Asleep in Armageddon by Ray Bradbury. Solid beginning. You don't want death, and you don't expect death. Something goes wrong. Your rocket tilts in space. A planetoid jumps up. Blackness, movement, hands over the eyes. A violent pulling back of available power in the four jets, and crash. The darkness. In the darkness, the senseless pain. In the pain, the nightmare. He was not unconscious. What the fuck Jesus. just happened? Oh my god. Well, this is a nice light little beginning. Your name? asked Hidden Voices. Sail, he replied in whirling nausea. Leonard Sail. Occupation, cried the voices. Spaceman, he cried, <laughs> alone in the night. <laughs> Rocket Man! Rocket Man! Uh, the song Rocket Man, inspired by Ray Bradbury. Are you serious? Yep. Maybe it was a story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he wrote a lot of Rocket Man stories. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yep. I didn't even know that. Well, look at that. I am psychic. <laughs> Maybe Mr. Miss, Miss, Mr. 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 Miyagi? No. <laughs> thing. Oh, the Carney, Mr. Electrico. Mr. Electrico. I wanted to call him Mr. Mistopheles, and I knew <laughs> that wasn't right. Mr. Electrico uh, touched my nose with his sword. That actually sounds really messed up. <laughs> now that I, like, said it out loud. <laughs> I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but that seems like a really weird kink. <laughs> like, why the nose? Just like, boop, boop, boop. Like a, t- <laughs> boop. And my hair stood on end. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh, damn. All right, moving on. (laughs) Powerful sword. (laughs) He is Electrocode. Spaceman, he cried, alone in the night. Welcome, said the voices. Welcome, welcome. They faded. This is starting like a fucking, like, Doctor Who episode. Yeah. He stood up in the wreckage of his ship. It lay like a folded, tattered garment around him. The sun rose, and it was morning. Sale pried himself out of the small airlock and stood breathing the atmosphere. Luck. Sheer luck the air was breathable. An instant's checking showed him that he had two months' supply of food with him. Fine, fine. And this, he fingered at the wreckage. (laughs) (laughs) That's not nice to call it. (laughs) (laughs) I broke Ken. (laughs) He fingered at the wreckage. (laughs) Oh, oh, what's wrong with it? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, Lord. And this, he fingered at the wreckage. Miracle of miracles. That's true. (laughs) 
the radio was intact. So that's why he was fingering the wreckage. He was looking for the radio. Yes. Got it. He was fingering the wreckage and he found the button. That is the goal. We need to move on. We have gone into a pit. I fell into the pit. He stuttered out the message of the sending key. Crashed on planetoid 787. Sail. Send help. Sail. Send help. The reply came instantly. Hello, Sail. This is Adams in Marsport. Sending rescue ship Logarithm will arrive planetoid 787 in six days. Hang on. Sail did a little dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I did it. This is good. It was simple as that. One crashed, one had food, one radios for help. Help came. La, he clapped his hands. <laughs> this is not going to end well. <laughs> no. I I have a feeling the next 6 days are going to be pretty terrible. Are going to be pretty terrible um and yeah, it's not going to be good. The sun rose and was warm. He felt no sense of mortality. Six days would be no time at all. He would eat, he would read, he would sleep. He glanced at his surroundings. No dangerous animals, a tolerable oxygen supply. What more could one ask? Beans and bacon was the answer. As they often are. The happy smell of breakfast filled the air. Yes. (laughs) Mmm, bacon. After breakfast, he smoked a cigarette slowly, deeply, blowing out. Here he he crashes on some fucking planet, and then he's like, I'm going to put toxic shit out into it now. <laughs> Bear in mind, it's written in the 40s. He doesn't know it's toxic. I know. It was cool then. It was, doctors were like, we recommend you smoke a pack a day. Yep. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> After breakfast, he smoked a cigarette slowly, deeply blowing out. He nodded contently. What a life. Not a scratch on him. Luck. Sh- this man's dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is like lost. Yep. Spoilers. Um, luck. Sheer luck. His head nodded. Sleep, he thought. Good idea. Forty winks. Plenty of time to sleep. Take it easy. Six long, whole, luxurious days of idling and philosophizing. Sleep. He stretched himself out tucked his arm under his head, and shut his eyes. Dun, dun, dun. Then there's four asterisks on the page, so (laughs) something is going to happen. (laughs) I think those four asterisks are the sound of the horror stinger that I'm going to put right here. Right there. Insanity came in to take him. The voices whispered. That's how that paragraph starts. Oh, hell no. That's a bad dream. Sleep. Yes, sleep, said the voices. Ah, sleep, sleep. He opened his eyes. The voices stopped. Everything was normal. He shrugged it off. He shut his eyes casually, fitfully. He settled his long body. Saying the voices far away. I made a choice. I'm sticking with it. I like it. Ah, sang the voices. Sleep, 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 sang the voices. Die, 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 sang the voices. Well, that was an abrupt (laughs) shift in tone. 
cried the voices. <laughs> a bee ran through his brain. He sat up. That would fucking hurt. A yep. bee ran through his brain? Pretty sure that would kill you. Ow! Fuck! <laughs> he sat up. He shook his head. He put his hands to his ears. He blinked at the crashed ship, hard metal. He felt the solid rock under his fingers. He saw the real sun warming the blue sky. Let's try sleeping on our back, he thought. And he adjusted himself, laying back down. His watch ticked on his wrist. The blood burned in his veins. Sleep, 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 sang the voices. Sang the voices. Well, it sounds like whatever these voices are, are just singing him a lullaby. They're singing him a fucked up lullaby. This is like some dark ages lullaby shit. <laughs> ah, sang the voices. Die, 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 sleep, sleep, die, sleep, die, sleep, die. Ooh, <laughs> You're welcome, everybody at home. That I'm going to put that to like a track, and that is going to be the new hit. <laughs> the summer hit of 2021. <laughs> die, sleep, die, sleep, die, sleep, die, sleep, die, sleep, die, sleep. Fingering the wreckage. <laughs> Blood tapped in his ears, the sound of the wind rising. Mine, mine, said a voice. Mine, mine, he's mine. Is it an animated seagull? <laughs> mine, 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 said the voice. Mine, mine, he's mine. No, mine, mine, said another voice. No, mine, mine, he's mine. No, ours. Ours, sang ten voices. Ours, ours, he's ours. Ours? You know when you say a word a few times and yep. you're like, what the fuck does that word ours, mean? Ours, 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 ours. It's like ours, not ours, ours, it's ours. Ours, 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 ours. Ours, ours, sang ten voices. Ours, ours, he's ours. I'm so sorry, Ray Bradbury. His fingers twitched, his jaws spasmed, his eyelids jerked. At last, at last, sang a high voice. Now, now, the long time, the waiting, over, over, sang the high voice. Over, over, at last. It was like being under sea. Green songs, green visions, green time. Bubbled voices drowning in deep liquors of sea tide. Faraway choruses chanting senseless rhymes. Leonard Sale stirred in agony. Mine! Mine! cried a loud voice. Mine! Mine! shrieked another. Ours! Ours! shrieked the chorus. The din of metal, the crash of sword. <laughs> sword on his nose. <laughs> The din of metal, the crash of sword, the conflict, the battle, the fight, the war, all of it exploding, his mind fiercely torn apart. Eee! He leapt up screaming. The landscape melted and flowed. A voice said, I am Tyrrell of Ravalar, proud Tyrrell, Tyrrell of the blood mound and the death drum. That is not a great... Um, title to introduce yourself the thing about this that has me most impressed so far is that 
this spaceman crash lands on a planetoid that is presumably uninhabited, but there are disembodied voices that just happen to speak English. Or it's like a fucking, like, TARDIS situation that... Because his spaceship is there and the radio's intact, it's they're like they're just putting they're they're not actually speaking in words. They're just putting thoughts into that, his brain, and his brain is translating that it to could English. Be. Doctor Who fans, <laughs> I'm just thinking, what if Blood Mountain or whatever it is in Blood Mound, Blood Mound, <laughs> what if in the voices language, Blood Mound is like our equivalent to to ponies, Fairy Hill. <laughs> I am Tyrrell of Puppy Pile. <laughs> I am Tyrrell of Unicorns and Sprinkles. Yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, it translates in our head, Blood Mound and Death Drum. <laughs> <laughs> A voice said, I am Tyrrell of Ravalar, proud Tyrrell, Tyrrell of the Blood Mound and the Death Drum, Tyrrell of Ravalar, killer of men. <laughs> I think that one cannot be mistaken. That's, yeah, that'd be hard to mistranslate. There's about to be some weird words. Another spoke. I am Eeyore. <laughs> it's I-O-R-R. I am Eeyore. <laughs> Ior? Ior, maybe. Eeyore of the hundred No, he's going to be Eeyore. Woods. He's definitely going to be Eeyore. I oh, am Eeyore bother. of Wendelow, wise Eeyore, destroyer of infidels. <laughs> now I just see Eeyore. Destroyer of infidels. Oh, hum. <laughs> The chorus chanted, And we the warriors, we the steel, we the warriors, we the red blood rushing, the red blood falling, the red blood steaming in the sun. Leonard Sale staggered under the burden. Go away, he cried. Leave me. In God's name, leave me. Shrieked the high sound of steel hot on steel. Silence. Four more asterisks. He stood with the sweat boiling out of him. He was trembling so violently he could not stand. Insane, he thought. Absolutely insane. Raving insane. Insane. He jerked the food kit open, did something to the chemical packet. Hot coffee was ready in an instant. <laughs> nice. He thought he had a fucking, like, caffeine-like deficiency. He's like... Uh, shit, I didn't drink coffee this morning. I'm I, hearing weird voices. I, I do know that um, if I don't get my morning coffee, <laughs> I start hallucinating death voices. I, I do hear uh, seagulls and Eeyore screaming death mound and death destroyer of infidels in my head. It is strange that Eeyore threatens to murder me almost every morning. Which is so interesting considering his energy. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of how I feel in the morning. It's a very slow uh, murder. It's, oh, God, that's... that's <laughs> Terrifying. And he's not happy about it. Well, he's not happy about anything. Hot coffee was ready in an instant. He mouthed it, spilled gushes of it down his shirt. Oh, don't waste it. He shivered. He sucked in raw gulps of breath. Let's be logical, he thought. Yeah, stop dousing yourself in coffee. Coffee works better when it goes down your throat. (laughs) Let's be logical, he thought, sitting down heavily. The coffee seared his tongue. 
No record of insanity in the family for 200 years. Before that, they were fucked up. No, 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 no record of insanity in the family for 200 years. All healthy, well-balanced. No reason for insanity now. Shock? Silly, no shock. I'm to be rescued in six days. No shock to that. No danger. Just an ordinary planetoid. Ordinary, ordinary place. No reason for insanity. I'm sane. Oh, cried a... V- <laughs> that is not the response you want when you're like, I'm sane. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> oh, cried a small metal voice from within, an echo fading. Yes, he cried, beating his fists together. Sane. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hate that they sound like children. Somewhere, a vanishing laughter. He whirled about. Shut up, you, he cried. We didn't say anything, said the mountains. (laughs) Oh, shit, now the mountains are talking to him? We didn't say anything, said the sky. We didn't say anything, said the wreckage. That's what you get for fingering it. Doesn't often talk, though. All right, then, he said, swaying. See that you don't. Everything was normal. Well, that's good. The pebbles are getting hot. The sky was big and blue. He looked at his fingers and saw the way the sun burned on every black hair. He looked at his boots and the dust on them. Suddenly, he felt very happy because he made a decision. I won't go to sleep, he thought. I'm having nightmares, so why sleep? There's your solution. Oh, good. Yeah, don't sleep for six days and see how it kind of illusions you're having. Definitely going to keep you sane. He made a routine. From nine o'clock in the morning, which was this minute, until 12, he would walk around and see the planetoid. He would write on a pad with a yellow pencil everything he saw. Then he would sit down and open a can of oily sardines and some canned fresh bread with good butter on it. From 12.30 until 4, he would read nine chapters of War and Peace. Fuck. All right. He took the book from the wreckage and laid it where he might find it later. There was a book of T.S. Eliot poetry, too. That might be nice. (laughs) That is what fucking Cats is based on. Is it? Is it, um, what is it, Old Pussum's Book of old Poetry? Po- yeah, Old Possum's Book of Magical, Mystical Cats or some shit. Yeah. So, Did you know that T.S. Eliot, uh, his name is a perfect anagram for the word toilets? That was a bad time to take a sip of wine. <laughs> oh, my God. I just looked at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, it is. There was a book of T.S. Eliot's poetry, too. That might be nice. Maybe this is the story of how Andrew Lloyd Webber came up with cats. He was like on a planet and voices were whispering to him. And he's like, T.S. Eliot poetry musical. Because all these voices keep singing. All these voices keep singing in creepy demon voices. <laughs> well, and about like the how cats and cats me. go to the heavy side lair. And, eh, eh, eh. I'm just saying. I like it. Supper would come at 5.30, and then from 6 until 10, he would listen to the radio from Earth. There would be a couple of bad comedians telling jokes and a bad singer singing some song and the latest news flashes, signing off at midnight with the UN anthem. After that, he felt sick. I'll play solitaire until dawn, he thought. 
I'll sit up and drink hot black coffee and play solitaire. No cheating until sunrise. <laughs> ho, ho, he thought. What did you say? He asked himself. I said, ha, ha, he replied. Sometime you'll have to sleep. I'm wide awake, he said. Liar, he retorted, enjoying the conversation. I feel fine, he said. Hypocrite, he replied. I'm not afraid of the night or sleep or anything, he said. Very funny, he said. This is, this is yeah, you need to go to bed. This is definitely the sign of a very stable human being. Um, And he's like one day in. <laughs> this is not going to go well. He's not even a day. He's like six hours in. Yeah, uh, I think this is not good. He felt bad. He wanted to sleep. And the fact that he was afraid of sleep made him want to lie down all the more and shut his eyes and curl up. Comfy cozy, asked his ironic censor. <laughs> his ironic censor. I'll just walk and look at the rocks and the geological formations and think how good it is to be alive, he said. Ye gods. <laughs> immediately read that in the music man voice. That's Zanita, the mayor's oldest girl. <laughs> it says ye gods. Ye gods. <laughs> I've seen that movie one too many times. Ye gods, cried his censor. William Saran? Saroyan? 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 Who's that? He's a playwright. Oh. Alright. Yes. Yeah. What plays? I've never heard of him. I'm impressed with you. Uh, William Saroyan was an Armenian-American novelist, playwright, and short story writer. He was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in 1940 and in 1943 won the Academy Award for Best Story for the film The Human Comedy. Okay. When the studio <laughs> rejected his original 240-page treatment, he turned it into a novel. Yeah, fuck you, studio. <laughs> Saroyan? Saroyan, yeah. All right. Ye gods, cried his censor, William Saroyan. Why is he yelling at him? You'll go on, he thought. Maybe one day, maybe one night. But what about the next night and the next and the next... Can you stay awake all that time for six nights until the rescue ship comes? Are you that good, that strong? The answer was no. What are you afraid of? I don't know. Those voices, those sounds. But they can't hurt you, can they? They might. You've got to face them sometime. Must I? Brace up to it, old man. Chin up and all that rot. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about this podcast is all of a sudden you're like, we're reading it along and I'm like, oh, oh all that rot. <laughs> he's British. Okay. Uh, uh, Face up to it. Chin up and all that rot. All that rot, old man. <laughs> you gods. He's also from Iowa, apparently. <laughs> he's also a 17-year-old girl, apparently. <laughs> I don't think he knows who he is right now, so. He sat down on the hard ground. He felt very much like crying. He felt as if life was over and he was entering new and unknown territory. 
It was such a deceiving day with the sun warm physically, he felt able and well. One might fish on such a day as this or pick flowers or kiss a woman or anything. (laughs) But in the midst of a lovely day, what did one get? Death. Well, hardly that. Death, he insisted. He lay down and closed his eyes. He was tired of messing around. (laughs) All right, he thought. If you are death, come get me. I want to know what all this damn nonsense is about. Death came. <laughs> said a voice. Yes, I know, said Leonard Sale, lying there. But what else? <laughs> ah, said a voice. Yeah, I know that also, said Leonard Sale, <laughs> irritably. He turned cold. His mouth hung open wildly. I am Tyrrell of Ravalar, killer of men. I am Eeyore of Windelow, destroyer of infidels. What is this place? asked Leonard Sale, struggling against horror. Once a mighty planet, said Tyrrell of Ravalar. Once a place of battle, said Eeyore of Windelow. Now dead, said Tyrrell. Now silent, said Eeyore. Until you came, said Tyrrell. You give us life again, said Eeyore. You're dead, insisted Leonard Sale, flesh writhing. You're nothing but empty wind. We live through you and fight through you. So, (laughs) So that's it, thought Leonard Sale. I'm to be a battleground, am I? Are you friends? Enemies, cried Eeyore. Foul enemies, cried Tyrrell. Leonard smiled a... (laughs) It's not what it says, but I didn't say it out loud, but I thought it said Leonard smiled a rectal smile. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... It's like when you scrunch your mouth out so up so much because it looks like you have a butthole on your face. <laughs> oh, see, I was I was thinking the the other way, smiling a rectal smile, as in smiling with your rectum. <laughs> he just bends over like Jim Carrey, so, well, and uh, so I'm I'm he's trying like, to hello, like with his butt. <laughs> I'm trying to like, can I can I make my rectal smile? <laughs> I actually don't know what this word is. A rec- oh, is it a recital? A recital smile, like a, a, a like, re- like a uh, rehearsed. R i c t a l. Rictal. Definition is of or relating to rictus. <laughs> Fuck you. Rictus. A gaping grimace. Ew. <laughs> Leonard smiled a rictal smile. He felt ghastly. How long have you waited, he demanded. How long is time? Ten thousand years, perhaps? Ten million years, perhaps? What are you? Thoughts? Spirits? Ghosts? All of these and more? Intelligences? Precisely. How do you survive? Sing the chorus far away. Sang another army waiting to fight. 
Once upon a time, this was a fertile land, a rich planet, and there were two nations, strong nations, led by two strong men, I, Eeyore, and he, that one who calls himself Tyrrell, and the planet declined and gave way to nothingness. The peoples and the armies languished in the midst of a great war which had lasted five thousand years. We lived long lives and loved long loves, drank much, slept much, fought much. And when the planet died, our bodies withered, and only in time and with much science did we survive." Survive, wondered Leonard Sale, but there is nothing of you. Our minds, fool, our minds. What is a body without a mind? What is a mind without a body, laughed Leonard Sale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he getting sassy with these bitches. <laughs> well, I mean, he has apparently... By the sounds of it, mm -hmm. he has two armies ready to do battle on In the battlefield of his brain. To take over his body. I'd be a little sassy, too. Yeah, I'd be like, uh, but a ching <laughs> <laughs> What is a mind without a body, laughed Leonard Sale. I've got you there. Admit it. I've got you. <laughs> True, said the cruel voice. One is useless, lacking the other, but survival is survival, even when unconscious. The mind of our nations, through science, through wonder, survived. But without senses, lacking eyes, ears, lacking touch, smell, and the rest? Lacking all of those, yes... We were vapors merely for a long time, until today. And now I am here, thought Leonard Sale. You are here, said the voice, to give substance to our mentalities, to give us our needed body. I'm only one, thought Sale. Nevertheless, you are of use. I am an individual, thought Sale. I resent your intrusion. He resents our intrusion. Did you hear him, Eeyore? He resents. <laughs> As if he had a right to resent. Be careful, warned Sale. I'll blink my eyes and you'll be gone. Phantoms, I'll wake up and rub you out. <laughs> Sometimes an even better way to start the day than coffee. Why not both? <laughs> if you get one of those coffee makers that you can time so that your cup of coffee is waiting for you when you wake up, then there doesn't have to be one before the other. That's you just true. have to be a little careful not to spill. That, <laughs> that would be very, that, that's like a special skill on your resume <laughs> for sure. All right. It's a strange special skill to put on your resume. I can't think of a show where that particular set of skills would be necessarily beneficial. Only fans. Only fans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Wow. <laughs> we digress. Something strange and unusual for us. A digression. Shocking.
But you'll have to sleep again sometime, cried Eeyore. And when you do, we'll be waiting, waiting, waiting for you. What do you want? Solidity, mass, sensation again. You can't both have it. We'll fight that out between us. A hot clamp twisted his skull. It was as if a spike had been thrust and beaten down between the bivalvular halves of his brain. Now it was terribly clear, horribly, magnificently clear. He was their universe. The world of his thoughts, his brain, his skull, divided into two camps, that of Eeyore and that of Tyrrell. They were using him. Pennants flung up on a pink mine sky. Brass shields caught the sun. Gray animals shifted and came rushing into bristling tides of sword and plume and trumpet. Eee! The rushing. Ah! The roaring. Now! The whirling. Mm! Ten thousand men hurtled across the small, hidden stage. Ten thousand men floated on the shellacked inner ball of his eye. Ten thousand javelins hissed between the small, bone hulls of his head. Ten thousand jeweled guns exploded. Ten thousand voices chanted in his ears. Now his body was riven and extended, shaken and rolled. He was screaming, writhing. The plates of his skull threatened to burst asunder. The gabbling, the shrilling as across bone planes of mind and continent of inner marrow, through gullies of vein, down hills of artery, over rivers of melancholy came armies and armies, one army, two armies, swords flashed in the sun, bearing down upon each other. Fifty thousand minds snatching and scrabbling, cutting at him, demanding, using. In that moment, the hard collision, one army on another, the rush, the blood, the sound, the fury, the death, the insanity, like symbols, the armies struck. He leaped up raving. He ran across the desert. He ran and ran and did not stop running. He sat down and cried. He sobbed until his lungs ached. He cried very hard and long. Tears ran down his cheeks and into his upraised, trembling fingers. God, God, help me, oh God, help me, he said. All was normal again. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. The rocks were baked by the sun. He managed after a time to cook himself a few hot biscuits, which he ate with strawberry jam. He wiped his stained fingers on his shirt blindly, trying not to think. At least I know what I'm up against, he thought. Oh, Lord, what a world. What an innocent-looking world, and what a monster it really is. It's good no one ever explored it before. Or did they? He shook his aching head. Pity them, whoever crashed here before, if any ever did. Warm sun, hard rocks, not a sign of hostility. A lovely world. Until you shut your eyes and relaxed your mind. <laughs> and the night and the voices and the insanity and the death padded in on soft feet. I am all right now, though, he said proudly. Look at that! 
he displayed his hand. By a supreme effort of will, it was no longer shaking. I'll show you who in hell's ruler here, he announced to the innocent sky. <laughs> I am, he tapped his chest. What, what? What, what? Me. <laughs> to think that thought could live that long, a million years perhaps, all these thoughts of death and disorder and conquest lingering in the innocent but poisonous air of the planet, waiting for a real man to give them a channel through which they might issue again in all their senseless vir- virulence. Virulence? Virulence? Virulence. What's that mean? Virulence from virulent. <laughs> um, extremely severe or harmful in its effects. Bitterly hostile. Okay. I'm not... Um... Yeah, that, all, that entire paragraph is one sentence, so we'll just go back to the comma. <laughs> Waiting for a real man to give them a channel through which they might issue again in all their senseless virulence. Now that he was feeling better, it was all silly. All I have to do, he thought, is stay awake six nights. They won't bother me that way. When I'm awake, I'm dominant. I'm stronger than those crazy monarchs and their silly tribes of sword flingers and shield bearers and horn blowers. I'll stay awake. But can you, he wondered, six whole nights awake? There's coffee and medicine and books and cards, but I'm tired now, so tired, he thought. Can I hold out? Well, if not, there's always the gun. Where will these silly monarchs be if I put a bullet through their stage? All the world's a stage? No. You, Leonard Sale, are the small stage, and they the players. <laughs> and what if you put a bullet through the wings, tearing down scenes, destroying curtains, ruining lines, destroy the stage, the players, all, if they aren't careful? That's a fun paragraph for an actor. Right. That's fun. I like yeah, that. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> All the world's a stage? No, I'm a fucking stage. I'm your stage, bitch. <laughs> First of all, he must radio through to Marsport again. If there was any way they could rush the rescue ship sooner, then maybe he could hang on. Anyway, he must warn them what sort of planet this was. This so innocent-seeming spot of nightmare and fever vision... He tapped on the radio key for a minute. His mouth tightened. The radio was dead. Well, shit. It had sent through a proper rescue message, received a reply, and then it extinguished itself. The proper touch of irony, he thought. There was only one thing he could do. Draw a plan. This he did. He got a yellow pencil and delineated his six-day plan of escape. Tonight, he wrote, read six more chapters of War and Peace. At four in the morning, have hot black coffee. At 4.15, take cards from pack and play ten games of solitaire. This should take until 6.30 when more coffee. At 7 o'clock, listen to early morning programs from Earth. If the receiving equipment on the radio works at all. Does it? He tried the radio receiver. It was dead. Well, he wrote, from seven o'clock until eight, sing all the songs you remember. Make your own entertainment. <laughs> wow. Do a musical for yourself. 
So basically what I did in high school, we just sit in the parking lot and sing Rent from top to bottom. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Or what we do occasionally downstairs at the piano, just sing, sing Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera or <laughs> Sans Piano. Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. We're cool. <laughs> from eight until nine, think about Helen King. Remember Helen? <laughs> On second thought, think about Helen right now. <laughs> I don't know who Helen King is, but I've decided that she's sexy. <laughs> and he's like, mm, oh, yeah, I remember her. <laughs> he marks that out with his pencil. <laughs> the rest of the day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to make an innuendo. I tried to take the high road that time. <laughs> While he's drinking coffee, no less. Mm-hmm. Impressive. Sales got his OnlyFans ready to go. <laughs> The rest of the days were set down in minute detail. He checked the medical kit. There were several packets of tablets that would keep you awake. One tablet an hour, every hour, for six days. He felt confident. Here's mud in your evil eye, Eeyore Tyrell. <laughs> he swallowed one of the stay-wake tablets with a scalding mouth of black coffee. Well, with one thing and another, it was Tolstoy or Balzac. <laughs> Balzac. Cheep, 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 Jim. <laughs> Gin rummy, coffee, tablets, walking, more Tolstoy, more Balzac, more... What happened to T.S. Eliot? <laughs> uh, more Tolstoy, more Balzac, more gin rummy, more solitaire. The first day passed, as did the second and the third. All right, halfway done. He's just slowly going actually insane by not sleeping. On the fourth day, he lay quietly in the shade of a rock, counting to a thousand by fives, then by tens, to keep his mind occupied and awake. His eyes were so tired, he had to bathe them frequently in cool water. He couldn't read. He was bothered with splitting headaches. He was so exhausted he couldn't move. He was numb with medicine. He resembled a waxen dummy stuffed with things to preserve him in a state of horrified wakefulness. Well, four days of cocaine will do that to you. Uh-huh. His eyes were glass, his tongue a rusted pike, his fingers felt as if they were gloved in needles and fur. He followed the hand of his watch. One second less to wait, he thought. Two seconds, three seconds, four, five, ten, thirty seconds. A whole minute. Now an hour less time to wait. Oh, ship, hurry on thy appointed round. He began to laugh softly. What would happen if he just gave up and drifted off into sleep? Sleep, ah, sleep, perchance to dream. All the world's a stage. What if he gave up the unequal struggle, lapsed down? The high, shrill warning sound of battle metal. He shivered. His tongue moved in his dry, burry mouth. Eeyore and Tyrrell would battle out their ancient battle. Leonard Sale would become quite insane. And whichever won the battle would take this ruin of an insane man, the shaking, laughing, wild body, and wander it across the face of this world for 10, 20 years, occupying it, striding in it, pompous, holding court, making grand gestures, ordering heads severed, calling on inward, unseen dancing girls. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty uh, um, optimistic. 
considering he's the only person on the fucking yeah. planet. <laughs> Optimistic to assume there's anyone to decapitate to or de- dance for Or you. dance. <laughs> Leonard Sale, what remained of him, would be led off to some hidden cave there to be infested with wars and worms of wars for 20 insane years, occupied and prostituted by old and outlandish thoughts. When the rescue ship arrived, it would find nothing. Sale would be hidden somewhere by a triumphant army in his head, hidden in some cleft of rock, placed there like a nest for Eeyore to lie upon in evil occupation. <laughs> Eeyore, don't sit on him. That's rude. The thought of it almost broke him in half. 20 years of insanity, 20 years of torture, doing what you don't want to do, 20 years of wars raging and being split apart, 20 years of nausea and trembling. His head sank down between his knees. His eyes snapped and cracked and made soft noises. His eardrum popped tirelessly. Sleep, sleep, sang soft sea voices. I'll, I'll make a proposition with you. Listen. Leonard Sale. You, Eeyore, you too, Tyrrell. Eeyore, you can occupy me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Tyrrell, you can take me over on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. Thursday is Maid's Night Out. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, sang the distant voices softly. Soft. What do you say? Is it a bargain, Eeyore? Tyrrell? No, said a voice. No, said another. Greedy, both of you, greedy, complained Sale. A pox on both your houses. (laughs) He slept. He was Eeyore, jeweled rings on his hands. He arose beside his rocket and held out his fingers, commanding blind armies. He was Eeyore, ancient ruler of jeweled warriors. He was Tyrrell, lover of women, killer of dogs. Ooh, fuck Tyrrell, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Don't like that. Ew. So he's like a like a conquester of women, and he just kills dogs? He kills dogs? Fuck Tyrrell. I want Eeyore to win. <laughs> I hope Eeyore takes over. With some hidden bit of awareness, his hand crept to the holster at his hip. The sleeping hand withdrew the gun there. The hand lifted, the gun pointed. The armies of Tyrrell and Eeyore gave battle. The gun exploded. The bullet tore across Sale's forehead, wakening him. He stayed awake for an oh, so it like just skimmed his forehead? Oh, fuck. He he shot right past his forehead. Ah! He stayed awake for another six hours, getting over his latest siege. He knew it would be hopeless now. He washed and bandaged the wound he had given himself. He wished he had aimed straighter and it was all over. He watched the sky. Two more days, two more. Come on, ship, come on. He was heavy with sleeplessness. No use. At the end of six hours, he was raving badly. He took the gun up and put it down and took it up again and put it against his head, tightened his hand on the trigger, changed his mind, looked at the sky again. Night settled. He tried to read, threw the book away. He tore it up and burned it just to have something to do. Now he's burning books? Fuck. So tired. In another hour, he decided, if nothing happens, I'll kill myself. 
This is for certain now. I'll do it this time. This is sad. He got the gun ready and laid it on the ground next to himself. He was very calm now, though tired. It would be over and done. He would be dead. He watched the minute hand on his watch. One minute, five minutes, 25 minutes. The flame appeared in the sky. It was so unbelievable, he started to cry. A rocket, he said, standing up. A rocket, he cried, rubbing his eyes. He ran forward. The flame brightened, grew, came down. He waved frantically, running forward, leaving his gun, his supplies, everything behind. You see that, Eeyore? Tyrrell, you savages, you monsters, I beat you, I won. They're coming to rescue me now, I've won, damn you! He laughed harshly at the rocks and the sky and the back of his hands. The rocket landed. Leonard's sail stood swaying, waiting for the door to lid open. Goodbye, Eeyore, goodbye, Tyrrell, he shouted in triumph, grinning, eyes hot. Eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee
I hope I never see a face like that again. What a shame waiting for us, and we arrive and he dies anyway. They glance around. What shall we do? Shall we spend the night? Yes, and it'll be good to be out of the ship. We'll bury him first, of course. Well, naturally. And spend the night in the open with good air, right? Good to be in the open again, after two weeks in that damn ship. Right. I'll find a spot for him. You start supper, eh? Done. Should be good sleeping tonight. Fine, fine. They made a grave and said a word over it. They drank their evening coffee silently. They smelled the sweet air of the planet and looked at the lovely sky and the bright and beautiful stars. What a night, they said, lying down. Pleasant dreams, said one, rolling over. And the other replied, pleasant dreams. They slept. Oh, the end. hell no. And it all begins again. Well, at least their ship works. Their ship works, but so tonight, when shit starts going down, maybe they'll get out of there. If they like, if they awake, for, if they realize yeah. something's going on as quickly as Sail did, yeah, they can wake up and jet. Or will like, will they battle over one of them again to make one of them seem crazy and like, and then they'll leave him like because he seems like he's lost it or something. I don't know. That's creepy as fuck. Or will Tyrrell take over one and, and Eeyore take and over the battle, other and kill then they other. kill each other? Yeah. Holy shit. That was fucked up. <laughs> God damn it, Ray Bradbury. Okay, Ray you Bradbury. Dick. That was good as hell, though. Yeah. That was fun to read. <laughs> like, that was a very upsetting. It was like, it's almost like a metaphor for like mental illness. <laughs> But it's not. But it's all. not. It's not. But but there are certainly, it feels like there's a lot of that in there. It's like, am I really hearing this? What's going on? Like, like yeah. It's but, a very unsettling story. It feels a little bit like an outer space version of To Build a Fire. I do not know that story. It's a Jack London story. And it's a guy who's up uh, around the, the Arctic Circle. Mm-hmm. He's like dog sledding or whatever. Yeah. Um, and... Maybe he's not dog sledding. Maybe he's just out hiking. I don't remember. Point is... Um, it's cold as fuck. It's cold as fuck. <laughs> and he's been told, whatever you do, don't get caught out after dark. Because the temperature drops and you're not going to make it. It's like, don't get the gremlin wet after midnight. Right. Or whatever. But, don't feed them after midnight. So then he gets lost mm-hmm. and is stuck out after dark and hasn't prepared well enough... And it's a story of, like, he tries to get warm and he tries to build a fire. And uh, and in the end, he stops feeling so cold and he falls asleep. Yep. Yep. That's cool, y'all. Yeah. Also, as someone who's been, we've been quarantining all this time, I talk to myself a lot more now. I don't know about anybody else. Maybe it's Tyrrell. An Eeyore. <laughs> That was the wrong voice. Are, are you are you talking to yourself or are you talking to the strange voices trying to have war in your brain? What are you talking about? I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that was the end of Campfire Classics. <laughs>
So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that was awesome. I loved Ray Bradbury. We're, I it's hope a good he, story. I, w- I wonder if he has any other stories in public domain. Um, he has a few other writings in public okay. domain. Most of them are short stories in the vein of like 900 words. Okay. Like, like super, super real short. short. Yeah. Cool. Well, but yeah, if you liked that, uh, please share it with your friends. Uh I, I enjoyed that because as, as dramatic and, like, intense as that was, it also elicited a lot of laughter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those things when you become uncomfortable, you're yeah, going to find yeah, yeah. joy and laughter in it. It's also, like, from the outside, like they said, oh, he looked crazy. I'm going to mm-hmm. give him a sedative. So, But if you like that, share it with your friends. Uh, we have our website, campfireclassicspodcast.com. We have Twitter. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have TikTok. Uh, and you can uh, check us out. You can buy some coffee at buymeacoffee.com. It'll help us stay awake so the voices don't get us. We need coffee. so we. <laughs> oh, my God. That's going to be totally one of our marketing <laughs> things this week. Um, and you can also become a patron if you want. Um, we would appreciate that at Patreon. So we are Campfire Classics. And uh, if you like us, just share us, review us, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Because we like doing this, and we like you. (laughs) Oh, that was a lovely little rhyming couplet. You're welcome. (laughs) It's all that Shakespeare references in the story. Cool. All right. Uh, That was great. I think that's the end of that one. Yeah. Uh, Ray Bradbury, thanks, dude. That was cool. That was cool. Barack Obama, props. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) Uh. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us. We'll uh, we'll be here again next week. Until then, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Oh, well, I never was. <laughs> A man so clever as magical Mr. Mr. Land.